Welcome, everyone, to the newest Discover Strength Podcast mini-series, where we'll be focusing on 12 things we think are essential for getting better results from your workouts in less time. Join us as we go deeper on each topic in a format that's perfect for sharing and broadening your own knowledge. Thanks for joining us, and please enjoy this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to the Discover Strength Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Emmett Hurley. He's so excited to be joined here today again by David Gershneitner, our Vice President of Operations at Discover Strength. David, say hello. What are we talking about today uh, from these 12 things to focus on during your workouts? Yeah, so we're going to be talking today about progressive overload and um, just having a little dialogue around why is progressive overload such an important tenet of strength training? And what are the different ways that we really focus on it in our workouts uh, at Discover Strength? But how can you focus on it in your workouts in general? Yeah. So we really want this series to be about answering questions we think our, our clients and our listeners would have for their trainers, things that maybe they've asked before, or they've thought about asking, but didn't know the right way to frame up the question. So David, I really want you to be the expert here and kind of walk us through first and foremost, what is progressive overload and why is it important to my strength training experience? Progressive overload is the idea that you just need to constantly put people under more stress in order for their body to actually have an adaptive response. If I lift 100 pounds over and over and over again, and I always stop at 10 repetitions, at a certain point, it's going to get pretty damn easy to lift 100 pounds for 10 repetitions. So my body is just going to stagnate at that point. I'm not going to see growth in muscle, growth in strength. And so I need to start to subject myself to a harder and harder stimulus. Now, there's a couple ways that I can do that. But the idea there is over the course of time, if you're not progressively overloading uh, your system, you're just not going to adapt and you're not going to get stronger or build bigger muscles, essentially. Yeah, I think one of the the best examples for this, obviously not strength training related, but is if anybody's ever done like a 5K race, right? And you you start training for that particular distance. Um, maybe the first time you run that 5K distance, it feels like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die, right? There's no way I can make it. I'm going to embarrass my family and friends on Thanksgiving, right? But you do a little more training and it gets progressively easier. Right. Well, after you've done that 5K, if you just try to run a marathon afterwards, it's going to be the same issue you ran into in the first place. So you need to progressively increase, uh, in the case of the running, the volume a little bit, the distance you're going. Uh, But in the case of strength training, like David was saying, we need to have these small incremental increases in the intensity. Uh, And there's a few different ways we can manipulate that. So at Discover Strength, we practice what's called double progression. So what is that? I'm sure our listeners have heard that term before. Why don't you explain to us in a little more detail? What exactly double progression is? Yeah, it's, it's essentially how we execute on progressive overload. So there's a couple ways you can progressively overload somebody. It's uh, introduce new weight or heavier weight to them or make them do more repetitions. So with that example of 100 pounds, if I get to the point where I can easily perform 10 repetitions, well, maybe next time I should try 11 or 12 and I can continue to increase my reps with 100 pounds or I can start to increase the weight. So for us, Every protocol, so think of just different rep speeds that you use, we just have a goal number of repetitions. And once you achieve that with great form, we increase the weight a little bit. And that's how over the course of time, we progressively overload somebody, generally speaking. 
Yeah, and I think it's important to note there too that there's really no magic rep range. I mean, one of the things we've seen from from the research again and again is that you can do four repetitions, you can do 40 repetitions, right? But part of the philosophy of high intensity training and training in an efficient manner is just about finding those rep ranges that work, um, that are relatively efficient. So maybe get you to that point of failure in about 60 to 120 seconds. And then once you get there, well, let's not extend the set for five minutes. You know, let's not necessarily do 40 repetitions. Let's just increase the weight next time and try to stay within a certain rep range. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, why and how we track those things. Um, maybe not necessarily just to discover strength, but in your own workouts, what can you be doing to make sure that you're continuing uh, to increase every single time or most of your workouts at least? Yeah, so I believe it was... Arthur Jones that talked about this and one of the Nautilus bulletins, but it was essentially the idea of, of retrogression. I think he called it. It's, I mean, I would just call it regression. If you try to um, get to a level of strength that you like wanted to achieve and then just maintain that. Uh, so we'll hear this from veteran clients from time to time that like, Hey, do I really need to attempt to do more repetitions or do I need to attempt to do more weight? I'm happy with the level of strength that I'm at. The answer, uh, unequivocally is yes, because if we start to uh, kind of cap you out at that weight and that number of repetitions, you're ultimately going to start to regress. And so the attempt always has to be to progress, even if the load is not actually progressing. And even if the repetitions are not actually progressing, that's how you slow down um, the regression of strength and, uh, and muscle that you're going to have over the course of time. So it's especially important for older clients, but um, definitely applicable to somebody who has gotten into really good shape and they're still pretty young, we should still attempt to improve. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked is your number one resource for at-home health testing. With over 2.5 million at-home tests completed and an excellent rating from Trustpilot, Let's Get Checked is the perfect option for anyone looking to make an evidence-based decision for major testing outcomes. Popular tests include men's testosterone levels, cholesterol levels, ovarian reserve testing, female hormone levels, and more. Let's Get Checked is offering an exclusive 25% discount on any test or bundle to new customers. Use our unique coupon code Discover25 at checkout for 25% off your first test. That's D I S C O V E R 25 at checkout for 25% off. You can also follow the link in our podcast description. If you've got questions, allow Let's Get Checked to give you the answers you've been looking for. Take your health into your own hands and try Let's Get Checked today. So let's talk a little bit about that transition from be being a beginning trainer, maybe somebody who's never trained before, who's seeing these awesome increases all the time when they first come in to somebody like you or me, who's maybe been doing this for over a decade, or mm -hmm. someone like Luke Carlson who has been training for 30 plus years, Rick Brignell, probably 100 years for Rick. Um, you know, how do we uh, look at that transition and that progression from the first time we walk in and, and pick up some weights to just the long term uh, increases over time? Yeah, it's a great question. So there's kind of three things that happen as we move from being a beginner to a more advanced trainee. 
Um, so specifically during the first 12 weeks, our brain just becomes better at recruiting muscle. Uh, so you become what we would call more neurologically efficient or more skilled at the movement pattern. If you've never done any exercise before, or any strength training exercise, um, your first 12 weeks, your brain is kind of figuring out how to do these movement patterns and becoming more efficient at doing them. So you'll see leaps and bounds in terms of people's strength uh, if they're doing an exercise for the first time uh, because they're becoming more skilled at it. Now, after that point, as we continue to strength train for the coming years, our brains become more specialized in not recruiting antagonist muscles, which means muscles uh, on the opposite side. So for example, when you do a leg extension, we're using our quad, but not our hamstring. Uh, as the years go on, our brains get more efficient at not sending a signal to our hamstring. And so we get better and more efficient at recruiting the quadricep and our, our quadricep gets stronger and it gets bigger. So. In the final years, as we've trained over years, our muscles will hypertrophy kind of little by little. And that's something that happens at a very incremental rate uh, after those initial 12 weeks and then the, the months following that. So in summary, our early strength gains tend to be neurological. And then after that point, uh, it can be more of a more of an improvement in hypertrophy and muscle size and actually building muscle tissue. Gotcha. Great, great points there. And thanks for outlining all those sort of adaptations. So I, I guess the, the big thing to keep in mind here is, you know, especially as we've been training for a while, whether it's at Discover Strength or, or just on your own, um, using these sort of techniques and this idea of progressive overload, it becomes really important what kind of tool you're using as you reach towards that plateau to make sure that you can still see those continual improvements. So some of our colleagues around the industry use things like time to track um, even a second or two of improvement with the same weight might mean that you're getting a little bit stronger. For us, it's using really cool tools like MedEx training equipment, right? Which has really small intervals uh, that you can increase the weight over time so we can continue to see those improvements, even if it might be only two pounds over the course of 20 workouts, right? That's still an improvement, especially if you've been training for 10, 15 years already. So tracking becomes exceptionally important. And maybe this is why, and you could expound on this a little bit more of why we're so diligent about tracking our workouts, um, not just ourselves, but we, we really uh, think that's an important thing for all trainees. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, it allows us to know that we're progressively overloading somebody over the course of time. and it reminds me of the importance of having a periodic assessment workout and understanding, okay, you're going to do a lot of different workout programs over the course of your time. And they're going to be affected by exercise order. And we may not have a very clear picture of, are you actually progressing purely from a strength perspective? Or are you just getting better at that new sequence that you were put on? And so coming back and doing uh, a progress assessment workout for us if you're just generally training out there, it's, hey, I should come back to probably a handful of exercises on some sort of regular cadence every few months to make sure that I am actually progressing in my strength on those exercises. For us, we always do it in the same same exercise order. Um, but that's where the importance of recording comes in is if you continue to record that assessment workout, you get a good idea long term of if you're progressing uh, weights pretty effectively. And then short term, it allows us to progressively overload you through your, your existing workout uh, routine that you're on. Now, almost, um, almost to a T, the workouts that I do where I am following 
a workout card and I have previous performance that I'm competing against, they're always harder than if I were to do a variety workout. So 90% of my workouts are going to be done on a workout card now because I actually get a greater level of intensity and push out of myself during the working set because I know that last time I did 11 repetitions and I want to get back to that bar um, to the best of my ability compared to compared to last time. Whereas if I do a variety workout and I don't have a, a record of what I did before, it's a lot easier for me to dog it um, for better or for worse. But Yeah, and I think a lot of people are intrinsically motivated like that, whether they uh, know it or not. And having those numbers to work towards uh, on a workout-by-workout basis can be extremely important. And as we'll see in later episodes, uh, some of our discussions here, it becomes extremely important, too, with injuries and coming back from injuries to have those metrics that we can look at uh, to see later on, hey, are your strength levels back to where they used to be? But that's not an episode for today, so we'll (laughs) save that for later. David, thank you so much for joining us today. Again, guys, progressive overload, super important. We need to continue to create uh, a larger stimulus every single time we work out, even if it's very minimal, right? So that we can continue to see those adaptations. You're going to get a lot of gains early on. Uh, It's more focused on the neurological adaptations then. And we're just going to see uh, you know, growing in size, getting some hypertrophy gains, and, and really just maintaining and slowly improving over time, uh, hopefully for the long term. So thanks, everyone, for joining us. Dave, we'll see you again soon. Thanks, Logan.